Hey friends, before we get started on this week's episode, I want to tell you two things. Number one, we had some technical difficulties and as such, you're not going to see my video portion and I really didn't want to re-record the show. So just know if you're watching on YouTube, you're going to be seeing our guests the entire time. But then number two, I want you to hang in there till the very end of this episode because at the beginning, it gets a little rough. You're about to hear one of the greatest transformational stories I've I've ever heard. This is the founder of Sun Life Organics. And, and, and I got to tell you, if this individual could change his life from one of literal, the worst drug addiction I've ever heard of to becoming a multimillionaire, vital, successful, vibrant human being, you can do anything. Enjoy this week's episode of The Higher Self. Welcome to this week's episode of The Higher Self. If you have ever wanted to improve your life in terms of your health, your body, if you've ever wanted to discuss, you know, what the differences are between organic foods and non-organic foods, why it's so important to you, and if you've ever wanted to maybe help understand or help somebody understand addiction and how to break through it and how to absolutely transform your life, get ready because this week's episode is going to do all of that and more. Khalil Rafati. Yes. Beautiful. Welcome. How are you? Thank you. Amazing. Thank you. Know, you. And, and by the way, I love, I always notice people's skin. Oh. So I love that your skin just looks young and vital and it it, it, it says so much about you already. Oh, you thank know. you. I mean, especially all things considered, right? Yeah. I mean, 53 years old. I've never wore sunscreen. I, I'm absolutely against sunscreen. Um, and uh, for me, um, that's not medical advice to anybody out there. No, but let, but let's get into it. Why? I think it's poison and I don't think it's poison. It's poison. I've read the ingredients, um, but I always thought it was poison even before I didn't know the ingredients. When people go to the beach and they they get these cans out and just, and they get their kids and they're, and they're just spraying them and spraying them and spraying them. This is our largest organ. That's right. And, right? It's, and it's absorbent. And it's absorbent. Yeah. Right. So these people are putting these harsh chemicals on themselves and then laying in the sun so all their pores open up and then they begin to sweat and all those poisons are going inside of them. And I don't know. I, I feel like, listen, when in Ohio, back when I was a kid, you couldn't go from winter time to two hours in the sun. You know, after getting burned a couple of times, you realize that you have to build your own natural sunscreen in your body, which is melanin, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Okay. So you, you go outside for 10 minutes, you lay in the sun, you go inside. Next day, you go outside for 10, 12, maybe 15 minutes. And you do that after five, six, seven times, you don't burn. Beautiful. You have your own sunscreen. Beautiful. So uh, I smoked for 20 years. Um, obviously, if anyone knows even a little bit about my story, I was an IV drug user. Um, I began, unfortunately, experimenting with drugs and alcohol when I was your, your kid's age. I mean, literally- um, embarrassed to say 10 years old, 11 years old. Wow. Yeah. So you, so you're, and, and by the way, I've never done this before, but I've had, I've asked the boys to sit in and listen to this episode. They're here, you know, behind the, behind the cameras listening. So you started using drugs at 10 or 11 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. In the beginning, it was trying to fit in with the older kids. So sort of like taking a puff off of a joint or drinking a swig of beer and then getting that reaction from the older cool kids. And I'm saying cool kids in quotation. Well, I guess people can see me, but yeah. they, they weren't cool, obviously, right. in hindsight. They were the troubled juvenile delinquents that, like me, 
didn't receive love at home, didn't have parents that paid attention to them, or even worse, like in my particular uh, situation, were were traumatized. Yeah. Um, whatever that trauma was, I have no idea because most of them I don't know anymore. But um, in my particular case, it was every type of trauma you could imagine. It wow. was sexual abuse, it was physical abuse, it was psychological abuse. And um, I had two immigrant parents that didn't understand you're not supposed to just leave your kids alone. You're not supposed to just allow them to figure it out. I mean, I tell this story with, with a big smile on my face about how when I was seven years old, I walked to the local malls a couple miles away. It's not that far of a walk. And I went to the ticket counter. I think movies were 75 cents back then. And I went to go see Saturday Night Fever which was, I believe, 1977, 1978. So I was seven years old. Right. And um, I said, oh, yeah, my, my mom's coming. I'm supposed to go in and get seats or whatever. I mean, it was easy to lie back then and, and you know get away with whatever. And I went in and I saw Saturday Night Fever. I was absolutely transfixed because growing up in a small rural town in Ohio and then watching Saturday Night Fever, I didn't understand a lot of what was going on. But there was an excitement there, especially when he got on the dance floor. And, yeah. and his dancing and his movements, John Travolta, to me, was like a rebellion and a revolution all wrapped up in one. It, it, it showed me that in the future, I can escape the horrible existence that I'm living now, most of it in secret because I can't tell anyone, right? And when I left that movie theater, this is the beautiful part of the story. I left the movie theater and I walked across the hall of the mall to a drugstore. Uh, I don't know what you call them here, convenience stores. And they had a gumball machine and I you know, put the 10 cents in. I turned the thing and I got the gumball and they were fortune gumballs. And I, I looked at the white gumball. I can remember it like it was yesterday. And it said, you will become a disco dancer. <laughs> and you know, when you're a kid... You don't understand that it's just a gumball. Like, I thought that was prophecy. I thought that was like a message from whatever created all of this. And I, I ran home and it was night, nighttime. I ran home and, you know, mom was gone. She worked nights. Dad was gone. He had just left permanently. And, um, and I danced until probably two, three o'clock in the morning and felt so liberated for, for one of the first times in my life. That's the, that's the happy part of the story. The sad part of the story, when I think about a son, probably... Kelly, you don't have to go any further than that. The sad part of the story is that you're seven years old. My son is seven years old right oh, now. Man. I can't even picture him going down the block by himself. Yeah. You walked to a movie theater, yeah. bought a movie, watched the movie by yourself, yeah. came home. Essentially, you were living on your own yeah. at that age. Yeah. And watching a rated R movie with suicide, sex, drug use, alcohol, violence. So, you know, if you think about the imprinting that was taking place at that time. But listen, whatever was going on on that screen and however sad that story is, it was liberating for me because what was going on inside my home was far, far worse. Yeah. You know, uh, Most of it took place when I was younger than him. And then some of it started to repeat when I was older because those types of traumas tend to repeat themselves because it, because it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, and that's a whole, you know, rabbit hole that we, you know, could go down, maybe at some point will go down, but, um, it, it was sad. It was a horrific childhood and 
um, so much confusion, so much guilt, shame. I felt, I felt dirty. I knew that something was wrong. I knew I had a half sibling that was eight years older than me and I knew what he was doing wasn't right. Unfortunately, when I went to my mother out of desperation, finally, and grabbed her, she was putting on her makeup in the mirror and I grabbed her and I said, please make him stop. Please make him stop. And she didn't even look down. She just, she just shooed me away as she said, he's just tickling you. And, um, that was one of the definitive moments in my early childhood where I knew I didn't think I knew that I was unlovable, that I wasn't loved. Wow. Yeah. It was horrible. Wow. And so at, at what point in time did the drugs use start? So the experimental phase, I got the reaction I wanted, which, which, which was the attention from the older kids. Well, to be honest with you, I wanted attention from anyone. Anyone, yeah. And I was going to get point, it right. any way I could, even if it meant putting myself in dangerous situations where the trauma from early childhood then repeated yeah. itself. Last time I was sexually abused was by my swim coach, Brian who was 37, 38 years old, beautiful girlfriend, had a couple of kids. And um, I put myself in harm's way, seeking that attention. Now, obviously this is in hindsight. When I was a little kid, I didn't know that I sure. was looking for any attention at all cost. Sure. But the, the seeking attention, taking a puff, taking a drink, by time I was 11 and a half, 12, right around that time, it, it turned into actually feeling it, feeling the, the whatever kids the call it. The high, the whatever. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, weed, yeah. The, we called it marijuana back then or grass. Right. Um, I actually felt it. Um, I, I, I remember chugging um, Mad Dog 2020, which was a very cheap wine. Um, but I remember that warmth washing over me and... You remember how when we were kids, they would jokingly say like, you know, he got, he got his ass kicked because he drank too many beers and he got beer muscles. Gotcha. I didn't get beer muscles, but I got, I got beer confidence or alcohol confidence. I got weed. I, I felt like the weed made me protected or I felt cool. And that's how these energies work. They come in dressed in your favorite you know, designer, yeah. you know, they come in like making you feel like you're six foot two and you have blonde hair and blue eyes and you fit in with all the other kids. Cause remember I was Brown. Right. I had a weird name. I had weird immigrant parents Right. and they weren't weird, but you know, I I mean, you. according I to you. everyone else, like remember you. the Brady bunch. Yeah. That's how everyone in my little town looked in Ohio. Wow. Except me. So, um, but when I drank and when I smoked the weed, I felt like all of a sudden I looked like them and I was cool and I was accepted and, and unfortunately, um, you know, alcohol and drugs are very, very insidious. And so they can lure you in and make it seem like they're cool. And, and you look at the kids that are doing it, they're often the troubled juvenile delinquents that are getting in trouble. That rebellion as a child can also look cool. You know, as adults, we can go, those kids are messed up. Those kids sure. are dying for attention. For those, sure. those kids are going to end up losers right. because people didn't love and care for them. Right. And, and that but, was- but, but when you're that age, you think- You think they're cool. They're cool. Yeah. Because they're doing what they're you're not swearing. supposed to do. Right. They're swearing. They're swearing when they're not supposed to swear. Right. They're, they're sneaking things that they're not supposed to sneak. I think most of it at that age was attention-seeking 
but then it 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 just it steamrolls into all of a sudden a sip becomes a beer becomes two beers become by time I was in my second year of sixth grade because I failed I failed kindergarten which I don't know how is possible and then I fa failed kindergarten yeah yeah I was so emotionally shut down and traumatized from what was happening at home I couldn't do the most basic things I couldn't listen I couldn't sit still um or I would fall asleep a lot and get in trouble for that because my diet consisted of like gummy bears and Pepsi and you know little Caesar's pizza oh yeah so my second year of sixth grade when I had to go back I mean it seems silly now but as a child going back and your classmates are all in seventh grade and you're in sixth grade. And remember, I was already older than my classmates who had gone on to seventh grade. In the private Catholic school that I was in, the strict private Catholic Jesuit school that I was in, you know, they just stare and point and laugh. Yeah. Like, you're stupid. Right. You know, you're retarded. I don't use that word anymore. But at that time, like, these kids were calling me retarded. And, um, and, it, was, and it was bad enough already. You know, kids' parents, not not all of them. There were some really good people in my hometown, but I do remember being your boy's age or maybe a little bit older and like going to my friend's house and knocking on the door and, you know, hey, is Jimmy here? And the father coming to the door. Well, first the mother coming to the door and looking troubled, then the father coming to the door and saying, you're not allowed in my house. And by the way, you go tell your daddy that you Arabs ain't nothing but with towels wrapped around your head. God. Yeah, that was Ohio in the 70s. Um, called Dune Coon, called, you know, Sand called all these different names, which, you know, I know I'm not supposed to say those things out loud, especially in today's cancel culture day and age, but it, it's What's your experience. It's my experience. That's what yeah. that's what happened. Yeah. So um, but when but when I had to go face those kids who had gone on to seventh grade, and you know, you walk down the hall and you pass one another and they're all cracking up laughing. That's when I went on my own and be went downstairs to my beer can collection and many of the beer cans were full and I just began cracking open beers and doing anything to escape what I felt. And, and by the way, what I felt was panic attacks, which I didn't know what panic attacks were. I just assumed that I was going crazy and I thought if I told anybody that they would lock me up in a rubber room and Remember how they had the straight yeah, jackets back those. then? I remember those. One of my biggest fears. One of my biggest fears. You know, I, I want to mention something. It's so interesting. You know, the relationship that I have with my boys. I don't, I don't want them, and, and, and their mother Claudia is the same way. I don't want them to ever feel like there's anything that they can't tell me or, or that they, they can do. As a matter of fact, my seven-year-old the other day, he, he, he has this song that he listens to. And there's an there's a there's an F word in mm. the song. Mm. And he's like, he's like, Tata, I would really like to like one of these days just like say the word. And I go, Papi, just say it. Yeah. It's okay. Just yeah. say it with me. Yeah. He's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, there's nothing wrong. Yeah. It's just a word. Yeah, it's you know? just a word. It's because you know, society puts all these constructs around what's right and what's wrong. Yeah. And then kids grow up with this like this shame and this guilt about just doing and being what feels good to them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I know like sometimes I, I say fuck. Yeah. And I, and I like saying it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I want him to feel free to say it. And, and what you're saying is, is that, 
you know, there was so much shame and guilt around number one, what was going on at home, but then on top of it, yeah, you know, the constructs that society puts around you and, 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 and what is good and what is bad and what is right and what is wrong. Like I can imagine that must've been like a mess. Yeah. I mean, thank God they don't put dunce hats on kids anymore, but they, they made you wear a dunce hat. They made you go face the corner. They spanked your knuckles. They paddled you in front of the other kids. They made you write on the board, you know, whatever. I can't, I don't even remember what they made me write over a hundred times. I will not talk in class. I will not talk in class. Um, I knew, I knew my soul knew that it was wrong. Yeah. And thank God teachers now are, are now much, much, much better. I know there's big controversy around, you know, stuff that's being taught in schools, but I'm just saying in general, mm -hmm. Woody Allen made a joke in one of his movies where he said, those who can't teach, those who can't do teach and those who can't teach, teach gym, which was really funny back in the, back in the seventies, because there was a lot of truth to that. Now you have a lot of young men and a lot of young women that want to go into the field of teaching and they're passionate about it. But yeah. to watch these nuns and, and priests who had their own, many of them, their own internal conflicts sure. going on, sure. right? Catholicism, 70s, 80s. Just all and religion in general. All religion in general, yes. Uh, but but to, you know, to have them being the authority and you're looking at the anguish on their face you're looking at the sadness in their eyes i was a very perceptive kid i can yeah. tell yeah so because for you to perceive that not many people do oh man i watched it so when they were telling me that you know that i was stupid or they also not sixth grade seventh grade uh miss hunyer was the teacher and I remember I had my feet up on the desk and she yelled at me in front of the class and said, you know, do you put your feet on the furniture at home? And very innocently and honestly, I said, yes, I do. And she said, that's because you have bad parents and you're a bad kid. And I literally just out from my mouth came and you are a bitch. Yes. And everyone was like, you know, like he didn't just, do. and she came over and grabbed me and dragged me out in the hallway and, you know, yeah. get to the principal's office and tell her what you've done. Yeah. And I knew I was right. She had no right to talk no. badly about my parents. No, and that, she had, that's the way you expressed it, yeah. but you were right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I shouldn't have called her a bitch. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so super rough. So then now imagine, you know, getting older, getting into adolescence, getting into puberty. Now I'm that cool kid but i'm not right i'm dying on the inside right i'm terrified to tell anybody anything even when my dad would come back every six months or sometimes once a year to visit i couldn't tell him what had happened to me or what was going on he would have beat the shit out of me my dad was a over, like proud angry violent muslim man who the solution to everything was was a beating and th and this was the you know, kind of beating. And then this was the, with the back of the hand, with the Rolex imprint on my, on my face, that was the, you know, bad beating. And then unfortunately my mom got this. Wow. So, um, now I'm the bad kid. Now I'm the one getting the older kids to buy me cases of beer and hiding it in the woods and drinking beers and smoking weed. And, and it just became a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I want to fast forward. Yeah. Um, because there, there's, there's, there's there's a rainbow. There's there's light at the end of the darkness, right? Because for I, sure you have 
completely turned your life for sure but it got much much darker right but i but i gotta be honest with you (laughs) i'm really sensitive to energy and just hearing the story it's like uh, yeah i feel it's terrible it is yeah i i I feel not good yeah my my book oftentimes people will say like my god i never thought the bad stuff was going to end and every time i thought it was gonna get better, it didn't. And I'm like, that's the story. So take me to the moment, fast forward me a little bit. Yeah. Take me to the moment, you obviously got to a point where you were completely addicted to drugs, right? Yeah. Um, And then what changed? That's what I wanna know. Blackout drinking, binge drinking, experimenting with heavier and heavier drugs. That was all sort of like, I don't know, I didn't think I had a problem, but then at a certain point, um, well, I'll tell you the first time. The first time was when I was living in Malibu. I was in a band. My friend David's friend Christian was visiting and he was very concerned and he gave me that like talk, like, you know, hey. Dude, you gotta. Yeah, yeah. you look bad. Like, right. And, um, of course, I was very defensive and I said, well, look, you know, you do this and you take pills and you take ecstasy and whatever. And he's like, dude, yeah, once a month. He's like, you're, you're doing stuff every day. And I got a little bit more defensive. He goes, hey, look, I bet you $5,000 in cash you can't make it a week. I'm like, you are out of your mind. I didn't have money at the time. $5,000, he was rich. I was not. And I said, done. What do we do? Do we shake? Like, how do you want to do this? He goes, sure, we can, we can shake. So $5,000, yeah. you're not going to touch anything for a week. His request was the crack. He didn't want me oh, smoking. so you were doing crack. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And um, I was like, done. No problem. You know, do you want, you want to bet more? Like the false bravado of the addict. And uh, he goes, no, no, no. Let's, let's just, you know. Let's just leave it at that. $5,000 cash. You know I'm good for it. And I did because from time to time he would borrow my car for the week and then he would just pay me, he would just hand me like 1500 bucks. Yeah. So I said, done. When do we start? He goes, right now. I go, great. Cool. Whatever. You know, lit up a cigarette, went next door to my apartment. I was in, in uh, the other guy's apartment and go next door. I'm, I'm like bragging to my girlfriend, like, you're never going to believe what Christian said, you know, blah, 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 smoking my cigarette and, you know. All of a sudden, you know, my foot's tapping and she's like, and you're going to do it? She was so relieved. I'm like, yeah, of course I'm going to do it. $5,000. And she's like, oh my God, thank God. This is great. She went over there. They're all talking about, I'm like, what? Well, like, what's with the drama, folks? Like, it's a week. I can do that standing on my head. Yeah, but they knew the truth. The truth is, so back in LA at that time, the way that I was scoring was through, they called them the Border Brothers, but it was the Mexican Mafia. And they started at 8.30 in the morning and they stopped at 8.30 at night. And that's the rule. And not one minute earlier, not one minute later. It's one of the most disciplined organizations I ever dealt with. And That's not a good organization to deal with, by the way. Well, it, it was convenient. And here's the difference between dealing with... Um, I'm so hesitant to like say the truth because I'm worried about getting canceled, but it's just when you're dealing with a culture of people who family is important, God is important, and um, there's an honor there, you never had to worry. I never had to worry dealing with those guys ever. They showed up on time. 
everything was always good. I dealt in other communities and, and bad things happened. So it's about five o'clock now. And I know come 8.30, like I'm not getting anything till the morning, which I had suffered through that a few times and I, and I hated it. And by like six o'clock, I'm like saying, I'm saying things to my girlfriend, like, well, maybe we could talk to Christian. Maybe we could start tomorrow. And she's like, Khalil. And I'm like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. We don't have to. We don't have to. And then all of a sudden, six or six forty-five. By seven o'clock, I'm literally like shaking. I'm sweating. I'm smoking the cigarette. And I'm just like, fine. I don't care. Like, F you guys and blah, blah, blah. F you to my girlfriend. I blew up at them as if it were their fault. Right. And I got in the car and I went and I scored. You, you So you went? Of course. Yeah. I, I, I was an addict. So... I came back late that night, everyone's sort of hanging their head. And then the next afternoon I went up to Christian, you know, sorry about that. I can totally do it. And, you know, maybe in a couple of days, we'll, you know, we'll, and he's just like, buddy, it's okay. I love you. And I'm here for you if you need help. Wow. What yeah. A, what a good guy. That, that was when deep down inside, I'm like, I got a problem. I got a problem, but what do I do? I'm not going to AA or NA. I'm not going to rehab. Like, what do I do? Well, maybe I'll stop doing heroin. I'll start doing Coke, or maybe I'll only do, you know, heroin, but I won't, you know, it's, it's this, it just gets worse and worse and worse. Kaleo, and worse just and hearing you say those names of things that I would never in my life ever attempt to even think of doing. And for you, they were normal all day, every day. Wow. I eventually wound up an IV drug user. I eventually combined the two, the heroin and the cocaine together, and I would inject myself all day, every day, until- Can I request to not hear it? Oh, until 2003. Just... Wow. Yeah, that was when I stopped. Yeah, you don't have to hear about it. It's a little much for me. To if people are interested in, in, in reading my book, my book is called I Forgot to Die, for a very good reason. And- um, and you can hear it all if you're interested. And so what happened? When did the when did it two two thousand and three I'd been I had been homeless for almost two months. I had been sharing needles. I was convinced I was dying of AIDS. I was 109 pounds and I eventually just did not have the strength to go on anymore. A friend of a friend claimed that there was a guy that could get me into treatment for free, which I didn't believe. Nothing comes for free, right? This guy's name was Bob Forrest. And the treatment center uh, or the charity that paid for your treatment was called Musicians Assistance Program. And it was real. And uh, after one or two more beatings and one more seizure, I just called and I said, I'm ready. I'm done. And swooped me up, put me into treatment, which was triage, you know, obviously getting me away from everything and everyone. Um, I spent a total of 90 days in treatment. And then another six or seven months under the roof of somebody who was militant 12-step, militant, like you got to get up at this time, you got to go to two meetings a day, you have to have a job, you have to be self-supporting through your own contributions. Mm -hmm. And I accidentally in the 12-step rooms got reparented. I accidentally found God. Wow. I, I accidentally began to do small, esteemable acts, even if it was just picking up the cigarette butts after a meeting and putting them into the can where they were supposed to put them or putting away the chairs at the end of the meeting. I was like, oh, 
But how beautiful because it was you in the smallest way giving back, yes. doing something good, yes. feeling valuable. And what I was taught by these old men with their pants up to here, you know, uh-huh. trust God, clean house, help others. And uh, if you see a piece of trash on the ground, pick it up, throw it away. Don't look around to see if anybody saw you do it. If you yeah. go to the grocery store, take the cart and return it to the front. And again, even if it's raining and don't look around and look for a pat on the back, just put the, put the cart back, pick up the trash on the ground. And the other thing was tithing, which I didn't know about tithing. And I didn't have a lot of money because I was just doing menial labor at that time. Mm-hmm. But uh, my sponsor would say, every time you're at a meeting, you know, you got to put money in the basket. And, I'm, and I got really upset because like, dude, you're rich. You drive a Porsche, you put money in the basket. He's like, it's not about that. It's about you. It's an energy. Right. You putting money in that basket is showing God that you have faith that more money is coming. That is so right. So yeah. these little esteemable acts uh, and getting these jobs and doing them well, and they were, I'm, I cleaned apartments. I washed dogs. I walked dogs. I eventually got a job in a treatment center. Um, I, I got addicted to recovery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got addicted to self-betterment and... Like any good addict, once I started getting into working out, it wasn't just getting into working out. It was, I got to work out every day. Once I started getting into, you know, taking vitamins or drinking, at that time, I was really big into the greens powders, you know, mm-hmm. like Vital vital Greens or Pure Synergy sure. or all that. Um, I got very addicted to that. And then I finally was able to join a gym and I started long before people were doing the saunas and the cold plunge and all that. Mm-hmm. I would go into the sauna and I would take a boar's head brush, a brush made of boar's hairs, and I would scrub my body while I sat in the sauna, scrub my face, scrub my neck, scrub my whole body. You're all in. Yes, get in the cold shower, get back in for 20 minutes, scrub my body, get in the cold shower, two hours at a time. Wow. Yeah, so I just like went completely in the opposite Three, direction. Yeah. My, my can, rel- can, I, can I pause for a yeah. second? As you're telling this story, you know what I'm thinking? What's that? And this is like how beautiful life is, but your story is my story. It's just a little different. Mm-hmm. In that I was addicted to success and to power and to and to being validated by others and to and to the outside world and to materialism, mm. right? It's it's an addiction. It's obviously not the same, but it's an addiction. Yeah. And, and then one day I said I, I can't anymore. Yeah. It was it was when my mom passed away. Mm. And that's what turned me to plant medicine. And I went to go sit with ayahuasca. Yeah. And I started my recovery process yeah. of like finding love. And it's like, I'm just amazed right now. Yeah. You know, absolutely amazed. Thank you. Yeah. It's the same. I mean, it's it's different ingredients, mm-hmm. but pain is pain and emptiness is emptiness. Mm-hmm. Until you can until you can truly connect with source, until you can build a relationship with what you believe to be the creator of all of this, then what's the point of anything? That's right. If you're not connected to source, if there's not meaning behind this, if I'm not, you know, I'm you, you're me, we're them, we're all a part of the same thing. If that's not the case, then I'm going to go behave very badly. Right. And I'm going to seek base desires to fulfill myself and you know, I'm old enough now to know that there's no end to that. There's no end. There's not enough women. There's not enough money. There's, there's not, not enough, enough cars. There's no. not enough clothes. There's not enough. Yeah. 
Louis Vuitton bags. There's just not enough. There's not. I mean, much to my surprise, when I finally got that Rolex, and it took a long time, I think it was seven years in, when I finally got that Rolex, the first thing that happened was that I, I noticed that people had the Daytona. And when I finally got the Daytona, I realized that they had the rose gold one with the chocolate face. That's, and when, that's the one I had. I, so did I. Yeah. And when I finally got the rose gold one with the chocolate, chocolate face, I scratched it. And the pain of scratching it, I, I hated myself. I was so angry at myself. And how could I do that? I didn't know you could get them buffed out at that yeah. time. And I just felt like such a loser. And there's no amount of watches it never ends. No, there's no amount of cars. When I when I finally got the SUV, everyone had the the Range Rover Sport. When I finally got the Range Rover Sport, everyone had the G Wagon. And then ultimately, at the end at the end of the day, unless we're connected to Source, unless we're what I like to call God, unless yeah. we're connected to God, then none of it means anything. No. And and so I'm still very much an addict. Um, I I'm meaning like I'm up at five o'clock in the morning. I'm in the sauna. I'm taking all these supplements, you know, maniacally at times. I, I see that in you. For yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. And the, I, I think that's a good thing. There's nothing. I mean, it's like, well, you know, what what's the ROI, right? Yeah. So, if I if I do intermittent fasting, which I do, and then um, I am putting some uh, methylene blue um, and some amino acids and some creatine, some super high quality creatine in my body. And then I'm doing these super intense workouts, the explosion of serotonin and dopamine that I'm going for. Right. Well, the side effects are I'm stronger than I've ever been. I'm in better shape than I've ever been in my life at 53 years old. But the, it's, the same, it's the same chemical reaction that that gave me mm. serotonin and dopamine everyone's like our good news and bad news the good news is awaken is sold out the bad news is if you didn't get your ticket uh, my heart is broken that you're not coming but listen i've got more good news i want you to go right now to dannymorell.com backslash awaken and sign up to be notified because we are about to release the dates for the next awaken and I'm telling you right now, you're going to want to be a part of this list. I'm going to give you guys like a one-time offer the very first weekend that we announce it that you have to take advantage of. And it's going to sell out again based off of all the messages we're, go we're getting right now. So go to dannymorell.com backslash awaken. And if you're coming, I'll see you there. If not, I'll see you at the next one. So fast forward to me, you're finally able to, you know, go to the gym, so forth and so on. And you went from literally being as low as it gets mm -hmm. to now you're the founder of Sun Life Organic. Yeah. Which has how many locations? 13. 13 locations. Yeah. Right? Four um, states. Four different states. Yeah. Right? I love it because here in Austin, it's right here on Congress. Yeah. It's, it's prime location. Yeah. Right? So that's a big deal there. Uh, my son loves acai. Aww. He loves it. So he loves going there. Cool. Um, talk to me. How did that start? It started as a as a byproduct of my relentless pursuit of number one, being able to afford all that stuff because it's expensive. Yeah. So the Expo West show that I was just telling you off camera or off mic, Expo West is the largest event in the world. It happens once a year, and it's all of the top top manufacturers and purveyors of 
anything health and wellness. Anything you want that's health and wellness is there. And you have to be in the industry. You have to out get you a badge. Okay. And I swear to you, if you go, you're gonna your mind will blow. Oh, I'm gonna go. Because you'll see 50 different acai purveyors, 50 different matcha purveyors. You'll find uh all the different makas, all the different, you know, greens powders. But more importantly, like I was saying before, is you get to meet the founders and you get to look at how they look. Right. Cause sometimes, well, a lot of times. People just want to make money. That's right. Right? So I got real lucky because I had Riviera Recovery. That was my first business was Riviera Recovery. Riviera Recovery was a recovery center, obviously, for you know for drug, drugs and alcohol. And I hated it. I started it on a shoestring and a prayer. I, I invested less. Uh, I invested almost exactly $75,000 to start the business. And I think the second month, we did like 80 grand wow. in, in sales. Or, or not, not sales feel terrible saying that, but revenue. revenue. Yes. Thank you. So, um, imagine like I'd never had money before. So I'm like, Oh my God, I'm rich. First thing I did was I raced back to Ohio and, uh, and I bought my mom a house because I, I didn't want my mom. I was always scared I was going to relapse. So I wanted to make sure that my mom was going to be taken care of the next big chunk of cash that cleared I set up an annuity for her. Once I did that, once I knew my mom was taken care of, and by the way, you know the way I describe my parents, um, it's sad. Unfortunately, it's true. But listen, they did the best they could. It's not my father's fault that I wound up the way I did. It's not my mother's fault I wound up the way I did. It's my fault. I was selfish and me feeling good meant more than you and you and you. I wanted to feel good at any cost. So I had a lot of help getting there, but at a certain point when you're an adult, come on, you can't blame your parents for what's going on when you're, when you're an adult. It's very powerful of you to say, especially with your circumstances. Well. But, that, but that's, that's the road he, he, to all personal power is accepting responsibility. My mom, my mom was abandoned on a doorstep during the war. And my father, when he was 12 years old, had his land taken away from him. So he became bitter and angry. And my mother chose, you know, they say that life can either, adversity will either harden your heart like a stone or it will break it open. And my mom's heart broke open late in life. My, my mother found great joy in taking care of people who were sick and dying. Mm. She worked 33 years at Toledo Hospital taking care on 6th South, taking care of the terminally ill. And she found great joy in her vocation. So yeah, I had to forgive them. But going back to Ohio, I bought my, my, my house, set her up with an annuity. And for, and then I, I allowed myself to dream. Well, and I got that stupid Rolex. Um, but I allowed myself to dream. And what I, what I loved more than anything was going and finding a good, healthy, organic smoothie bar, which was very challenging to find in LA at that time. Yeah. There was like Real Raw Live and Air One, the original Air One. Okay. And, you know, and plus you had to drive 30 miles to get there and it was expensive. So Sun Life Organics came out of my frustration and my anger that even if you could find an all organic smoothie bar, juice, you know, juice shop, it usually, the people usually there were um, not necessarily friendly. And a lot of time they smell like, like marijuana and they had dreadlocks or dirt under their nail. Not that there's wrong anything wrong with dreadlocks. It was just like, when I want to come in and spend $16 on a smoothie, I don't want to lecture on 
how I should live my life or, you know, what like, I just want to get a smoothie. So, and then the worst part was seeing places like Jamba Juice and, um, and other places that were pretending to be healthy, but were essentially just sugar. Yeah. Just sugar, just yeah. poisoning people. Yeah. So I'm I think, a, I think a lot of people don't realize that by the way. Could you speak to that? Yeah, most people think if you're getting a smoothie you're healthy. Well, if, if you're getting a smoothie and it's a bunch of non-organic fruit with apple juice, you're going to get this massive spike in your glycemic index and 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 then you're going to crash mm. and it wreaks havoc on your body and it causes inflammation. So mm. the healthy fats and the protein and all that stuff and also look, at the end of the day even even you don't have to have everything organic if you can't afford it, but don't ever put strawberries in your body that aren't organic because they are the most sprayed. You can look this up. They're part of the dirty dozen. They are the most sprayed, fertilized, insecticide, pesticide because they're so sweet and they grow so close to the ground and the bugs can access them so quickly. I've been up to Oxnard a lot. I don't know if you've ever been to Oxnard, but just driving through, you'll get a horrible headache from all the chemicals that are in the air from where they, you know, they grow those strawberries. Yeah. Yeah. So my frustration with not being able to find organic smoothies, juices, acai bowls, acai bowls were just getting popular at that time. And I started making them in my kitchen for the clients at Riviera Recovery. And I started watching people like get off their psych meds and like quit smoking and like starting to have like color in their skin and starting to look vibrant and telling me stories how they were expelling all of this nasty stuff out of them, wow. which was completely identical to my story. So when I started to put all that good stuff into my body, all the poison came out. When I started to notice things like, oh my, you know, my my teeth hurt and I go in and they're like, your whole mouth is filled with amalgam fillings. You're going to get mercury poisoning. Wow. And I took out the rotting teeth and all of that pus stopped going into the back of my throat when I slept at night, right? So now all of a sudden my teeth are great and my health is vibrant and I'm watching the clients there become healthy and vibrant and full of energy. And I started to dream like, man, it'd be cool if I could just open up like a little healthy organic smoothie Dude, shop your story is literally my story it's just different because because what you're saying is what i experienced when i started to heal mm -hmm. and i started to realize all that we can become in life yeah and it's like man imagine if i could just share this with everybody that's all i wanted to do that's all i wanted to do too yeah yeah and i didn't do it perfectly and i wasn't very professional in the beginning and there were a lot of road bumps and I'm still obviously a very deeply flawed man mm -hmm. uh, yeah. uh, and, and can be very shallow and judgmental and narcissistic and all of those things. I, I, I'm, I'm a work in progress, but in terms of the, of the potential, like the fact that I, like I'm deadlifting like hundreds of pounds more than I deadlifted when I was 20. Right. I'm I'm bench pressing, you know, a hundred pounds more than when I was 20. I'm sprinting like I've never sprinted in my life. My hair is getting thicker. My skin is getting younger. That's, the, that's what I noticed right away. At yeah. 53 years old, I thought, man, I thought when I'm 50, like it's done, we're over. You're just getting started. Just getting started. Yeah, man. And, and then having 
my own, after 17 years of absolute sobriety, meaning I didn't even want to take a, a, an Advil. Like I was so gnarly, like, you know, into the 12 steps for the first like 10 years and the next five years sort of on and off. Um, at 17 years sober, I still had this gripping anxiety and I still had a lot of sadness about how come my mom didn't love me, you know? I, I had this sadness for my father, not resentment, but sadness for my father that I knew that he was gonna die alone and sad and that he had missed most of the great joys of life, connection, intimacy, God, family, all that. And at 17 years sober, through a very strange set of circumstances, I accidentally found myself sitting, I was on a patio, sitting on a patio with two very close friends and a shaman. And he started talking to all of us about how we were going to take the first medicine and then we're going to take 30 minutes later, we'll take the next medicine. And I'm like, I oh, so you did plant medicine. Oh, I, I thought they had invited, invited me there. These were very famous, very wealthy people. I thought they invited me there because they thought I was such a spiritual giant that they wanted me <laughs> in their presence. When they invited me to their home for the weekend, I was beaming. I went, I told my girlfriend, so-and-so and so-and-so -and -so are gonna do a plant medicine ceremony and they want me at their house. Oh, no, they like, want you to take the medicine? I had no idea. They wanted to gift me a session. So this dude starts talking like we're all gonna do it. And I immediately thought like, oh my God, I gotta poo. <laughs> you know, right, I gotta go right, to the bathroom. Right. And maybe an hour later, he was handing out the first dose. What, and, what medicine? Uh, he won't talk about it. He, oh, okay. It's one of the things I didn't enjoy about it. Um, he won't discuss what the medicines were, but I will tell you that I had the most cathartic spiritual experience of my life. I, I didn't know a human being could cry like that. I mean, I can't imagine what his daughter who came in to facilitate me after a while because he couldn't take it. The, the sadness the, that was coming release. out of me, the release, yeah. the howling and the crying. And then in the midst of it all, I was able to go to my mother's soul and I was able to ask her, mom, why didn't you love me? Mm -hmm. And she said, honey, look, and she showed me what my father was doing and how he was treating her. I mean, I knew anyway, but when you're in that space of no ego yeah. and your mother's soul is showing you how she was suffering from Stockholm syndrome, he would beat her into a pulp on a daily basis. Beat, not slap like we got, beat. Because that, that just, I don't know why he did that with her and not with me. I wish it would have been the opposite. And she showed me and our souls cried together and she said, I, I love you so much and I wish things were different, but you chose me before you were born and you chose your father. So don't say you hate him, that's right. you chose him. Now I wasn't able to access my father and that's okay, I'm not, I, I wasn't supposed to, but I was able to see my life in a way without all of the layers of the onion. And I had 20 years of, of therapy in one evening. I had about yeah, a week I, of, of, I of the feeling you know, I had about a week of integration afterwards. Um, I've done three ceremonies total. Each one was totally different and each one had a different message. But again, I thought I knew what love was. The love I have for my woman 
the love we have for each other, the love I have for the world, for God, for human beings. Um, it, I feel like I'm living in a different universe. So, um, yeah, drugs in quotation marks can be an incredible tool, but when used for narcissistic purposes or to escape, they are so dangerous. And here's the thing, the darker forces, the darker energies mm -hmm. will take your soul without your consent. Mm -hmm. I learned that very late in life that none of that was cool. All of that was dark and, mm -hmm. and horrible. And, but now to be so close to God, so close to my girl, so close to source all the time with, with, with gratitude. And then you know the great joke. Once you stop caring so much about money and abundance and prosperity, it just flows. It just flows. Yes. All of a sudden, landlords are like, oh, you know what? I'll pay for your build out. And you're like, wow. What? Yeah. You know what? Forget about the rent. We'll do percentage rent. If your heart is in the right place and you're truly aligned and you're truly integrated and you're speaking to the best of your ability, truth, then you can do anything. You can. You absolutely can. It's so funny that you say that, but. You know, so many people ask me, you know, you know, to this day, like our Instagram or everything is exploding right now. Mm -hmm. And my friends will say, you know, like, okay, so like, how did you do it? Like, mm -hmm. what, what happened? And I, and I say, honest to God, answer, honest to God, answer. Cause I tried everything. I tried, I tried buying celebrities to come to my mm -hmm. events. I tried, I tried everything. And I, I said, honest to God, answer. I let go of who I know I wasn't supposed to be. Yeah. And I just connected with source and with God. I found myself and I just started being my authentic self, my truest authentic self. And I no longer started speaking from, I need you to love me or accept me or follow me or anything or even pay me. Right. I don't care about any of that. Yeah. I would just love for you to experience what it feels like to find your heart like I did. Yeah. And like, it, yeah, you, you, I almost can't contain it. Now. Yeah, it's, it's exploding. I, I, some of the same people that I knew. I mean, I did not know them, and then I found God or Source or whatever, and then I knew. I, I knew many of these people, but many of these people were people that I was vying for their attention and wondering why they didn't want to hang out or they weren't inviting me to certain things or whatever. Those very same people, three years later, are coming to Austin to visit me. And it is so bizarre. And, you know, all the Instagram stuff, if you go back five years and you look at my Instagram, you'd throw up. You, you'd be sick to your stomach. Private jet this and 300 foot oh, yacht. Oh, that was me. That was dis me. Disgusting. Disgusting. Dude, you're literally me. This is crazy. Wow. But, but the craziest part is I never felt comfortable in those situations. Mm -hmm. I never felt comfortable. Even, even if I would explain underneath the post, I call it humble bragging. This isn't my jet. I didn't pay for it. This isn't my yacht. I've just been invited here. Humble bragging. Right. It's still bragging and it's yeah. still gross. Right. The greatest moments, and it doesn't matter if it's with your son coming in to get an acai bowl or it's so-and-so who flew in on their private jet to come hang out with me because they're feeling lost and the movie industry is robbing them of their soul. Either situation, the the true joy, the true the the things that truly 
I can say us, light us up. But for me, light me up. You can't take out your phone and photograph it. Yeah. You can't, you know, first of all, it'd be gross. Mm -hmm. Second of all, those people would then never want you backstage or they would never want to give you their book a year before their book comes out or whatever the situation is. Um, it's not about Instagram. It's not about social media. Um, I do it because it sells a lot of books and my book is in four languages around the world now. And I get messages every day from people who claim that they got so much strength for suffering through reading my book, but then knowing that there's a happy story at the end. Yes. The, when you look at people like Elon Musk or Jack Dorsey or Tim Ferriss or whatever, it's cool and it's inspiring. But when you look at a dummy, when you look at a guy that was born to lose, when you look at a guy that didn't even finish high school, who failed kindergarten, who failed kindergarten and sixth grade, that's now living a life beyond his wildest dreams, the message should be, if I can do this, whatever this is, you do can do anything. anything, anything, absolutely limitless. But if you go about it because you want the watch and the car and and the bevy of girls, you know, to hang out with or whatever, um, you might get it anyway, and then your life will be a wilderness of pain. That's the clip, by the way. Just so you know, yeah, absolutely. I want to end with this, yeah, um, because my kids are listening and I want them to hear this. Um, talk to me about why acai, why juices, why. Just give me some basic, and, th and this is for, for all the humans who are listening who maybe don't understand why what you consume is so important. Just give me, some, like, give me like a little three to five minute cliff notes yeah, on I, I mean, how to become a healthier human being. God, I mean, I would, I, would say, I would say, first of all, read Sugar Blues. It's, it's an old timey, painfully boring book, but I promise you, if you were to read a third of Sugar Blues, you would never put sugar in your body again. You're talking uh, added sugar. I'm talking processed, processed sugar. sugar. High fructose corn syrup yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or processed sugar. Never again. It It is the devil. Yeah. It I, is the, I believe that. Yeah, it is the devil. I believe that. Secondly, I'm, I'm sure if we could find the original wheat and it wasn't sprayed with glycosphate and genetically modified 75 different times, it, it, it's probably pretty good for you, right? However. However, <laughs> the, the wheat products that are out there will kill you. They will destroy your microbiome. You won't be able to digest your food. You will get swollen. You will, you will be lethargic. So and you it, do not eat bread? God, no. Absolutely not. Okay, done. No more bread. Yeah. I, I don't eat bread. I don't eat processed sugar. My, my, the way that I think about health is uh, we're, we're a species, we're part beast and we're part angel, thank God. And I think my job is to be more angel than beast. And that's my, my daily struggle, mm -hmm. right? The spirit is strong, but the flesh is weak. Mm -hmm. um, but, but we are a species, we're animals. And the way that we ate, um, we were hunters and gatherers. Mm -hmm. we, we foraged, mm -hmm. right? Every now and then we got a mammal, we would take it down with our bare hands. Um, and because you could derive so much nutrition out of that one giant kill, that was definitely a part of, of our diet. But eat plants, nuts, vegetables, fruits. If you're into meat, 
you know, make sure it's grass fed, grass finished, and as humanely harvested as possible. Are you, do you eat meat? Or? I do eat meat. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I do eat meat. Um, but as a kid growing up, I eat meat, you know, bacon with my Egg McMuffin and chicken nuggets for lunch and some sort of horrid Stouffer's Salisbury steak for dinner. As an adult, the only time I'm putting animal products into my body are once a day, and that's for my evening dinner. Got it. Um, so and it is the highest quality imaginable. It is, yeah, U.S. wellness meats or stuff that my friends have taken down with a bow and arrow, elk, bison, um, grass-fed, grass-finished, pasture-raised, all that stuff. Um, we need to stop with the consumption of animals. Not not stop completely, but we need to slow it way down, and we need to yeah. move more toward a plant-based plant diet. And, and here's the difference. If you come into Sun Life Organics and you have a regular American diet, I can promise you, if you have one of our acai bowls, like a samurai bowl, you're going to walk out with almost 40 grams of protein, plant-based protein in your body. You're going to have superfoods in there. You're going to have healthy nut butters, raw healthy nut butters, everything organic. You're going to walk out that day. You're going to go back to the office and you're going to be shooting lightning bolts out of the palm of your hand. You're going to feel <laughs> energized. You're going to feel amazing, right? right? And then if you go back to your typical, like, you know, you're going to go to a deli and eat a giant Reuben and drink a Coca-Cola, you feel lethargic, you feel like you're going to die, you got a big fat belly, yeah. you know, I, I barely do any cardio, barely do any cardio. Whereas 15 years ago when I was eating wheat and drinking Coca-Colas and thinking I was healthy, I had what every guy gets, which is a fat old man, round face. Oh, dude, my face was like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Yours was not that bad. Mine was horrible. My, it was like a, like a Humpty Dumpty yeah. sat on the wall oval. Yeah. I mean, I had fat in my eyebrows and yeah. the back of my neck. I had fat everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I stopped the wheat and I started eating organic and I started to be mindful about what I was putting in my body and I eliminated the sugar, my face literally went yeah. like that. And, and I looked in the mirror and I looked 15 years younger. And it it blew my mind. So I think almost everybody out there is dehydrated. You got to hydrate. You have to hydrate. I'm I'm developing a hydration product now that when it's done, I'll walk it over to you if you're still here. Perfect, yeah. Um, I think most of us are deficient in vitamin D, especially if you live in areas where there's not a lot of sunshine. Mm -hmm. um, I, think, I, I think the statistic is like 80% of people are deficient in magnesium. You got to get magnesium. The amino acids that we were talking about earlier, whether it's branch chain or whether it's regular amino acids or both together, I think amino acids are are the building blocks of life. I drink them every day. Yeah. So just that, just hydrate amino acids, uh, magnesium, vitamin D, and some sort of uh, essential fatty acids, whether that's fish oils or whether Got that's it. flax oil or whatever. If people do that, and do nothing more than go for a walk every day, even 10 minutes. Just breathe and go for a walk. Does this guy not sound like what I, this is just what I was doing? You will find a vibrance and, and, a, and a reservoir of energy that you can draw from to go and live the life beyond your wildest dreams. Stop it right there. That was it. You said it all. How do people get a hold of you? Um, unfortunately, Instagram or fortunately, yeah. however, however you want to view it. Um, I, I would say that's the easiest way. I just a couple of days ago started messing around with TikTok and I already feel disgusting. <laughs> um, the, the, the Twitter thing is bizarre. It seems just like a cesspool of discontent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I would say just at Khalil Rafati 
And um, most of what I'm putting out there, 90% of what I'm putting out there is just positive, uplifting to the best of my ability, doing doing my best to live the life that God intended me to live. Yeah, man. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Thank you, brother. Yeah, for sure. For Thank sure. you. And Sun Life Organics. There's Sun one Life, here in Austin. Yeah, Sun Life Organics. Uh, there's, I'm, I'm going to take the boys so that they like, I want them to connect the dots. And boys, when you see this place, I want you to know this was a former drug addict yeah. that now has these beautiful locations all over all over the place. Where, yeah. where are they at? Uh, I have eight or nine in California. Um, I have one in South Beach, Miami, two here in Austin, Texas. Vegas opens in a couple of weeks. And there's a bunch more coming. There, there, yeah, there's a bunch more coming. The book is I Forgot to Die. Okay. That's the, that's the memoir and the gnarly, dark, dark, dark novel. It's a bestseller. It's on Audible. It's in a bunch of, it's in Spanish, it's in Russian, it's in a bunch of languages. The second book, interestingly enough, is called Remembering to Live, Lessons I Learned Crawling Out of Hell. The second book has great reviews, but no one wants to buy it because everyone wants to look at the emaciated 109 pound junkie who's now a millionaire right. because they think it's about luck and that maybe maybe I'm going to teach them the, the secret of life within that book. There's I no luck. No. There's no luck. The second book is literally how I went from penniless to financial independence step by step by step. You'd like it. That's the book I want. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but most people don't want to read that because they want to believe that it's about luck and that it's about the the right education or whatever. Listen, I can't spell and I can't type. I mean, I can spell basic stuff, but I, I can't spell a lot of words. And and I definitely can't type. But I have a best selling book. Yeah. So I can't spell, I can't type. I have a best selling book in a bunch of different languages. If I can do it, you can do it. What's your excuse? There are no excuses. Align yourself with God. Try to be a good person. As those old timers taught me in the beginning, trust God, clean house, and help others. Beautiful. That's it. Thank you so much for being here. Of course, brother. Yeah. And you live right around the corner. Literally. So we're going to be, we're going to go for a walk. For sure. Yeah, for sure. You'll see me walking down the street, muttering to myself. But what I'm doing in the morning is a walk in gratitude list. Yeah. Because if you can get into that attitude of gratitude, then you get into flow state. Well, I, I, at the moment I open my eyes now, I just hand over my heart. I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for life, for my boys, for Jen, for, for the opportunity that I have. I yeah. I my future. I'm just yeah, yeah. That's the way the to do it. The moment I open my yeah. eyes. Yeah. It's not that complicated, is no, it? No, no, no. It's really simple. But we want to make it complicated. Absolutely. There must be a book out there. There Absolutely. must be a course and there must be. Yeah. No. Yeah. And it's all within. It's all within. Trust God, clean house, help others. I love it. I love it. Yeah. That's it. That's it for this week's episode of The Higher Self. Uh, the next time you're at a... Um, at a location where you're new to town, look up Sun Life Organics. I bet you they're going to be everywhere. Yeah. And I know I'll probably take my son tonight because he loves acai and now awesome. I can tell him to connect the dots. So Awesome. Beautiful. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thank awesome. you for having me. Yeah. We'll see you next week. Thanks for watching or listening. If this week's episode resonated with you deeply and you're ready to discover more about yourself, Go to dannymorell.com and check out some of our upcoming events and our resources. Or if you'd like to learn more about our coaching programs, simply shoot us a message on Instagram and one of our team members will reach out to you immediately.